Hey guys, I just want to start out this episode by discussing what to expect this new year. I decided to re-record some of the older cases I have covered. They are all uploaded as of right now, but there will be some episodes you can access on Patreon, and I will post that link in the show notes and blog. These newly re-recorded episodes will also have current updates to the cases. So with that in mind, let's get started. I just want to start out by apologizing for any mispronunciations throughout the episode. I am doing my best. Thank you. I also got most of my information from the Lowndes County Sheriff's Office incident report that I accessed through a website called Script. It allows you to read all sorts of documents like affidavits, incident reports, and really anything you can think of. I also found a lot of information with allthatsinteresting.com, which is sort of my other favorite place to get information from. In 2013, Kendrick Johnson was 17 years old and attended Lowndes High School in Valstosta, Georgia. His friends described him as sweet and quiet. He was an eight-honor roll student and loved playing sports. He played football, basketball, and ran track. His mom, Jacqueline Johnson, said it was his passion in life and he wanted to play professional football. On January 10th, 2013, Kendrick was supposed to go to his fourth period weight training class, but he didn't show. He didn't come home that night either, which was immediately a red flag to his parents. After waiting several hours without any sign of him, the parents reported Kendrick missing to the police at 12.30 a.m. on January 11th. An officer went to the school the next day to confirm his absence. On January 11th, it was a normal day. Kids were going to classes, catching up in the hallways, and just generally doing the high school thing. Around 10.30 a.m., Philip Pipelow's gym class was filling out a survey. Some students sat on the bleachers, other students were climbing a stack of wrestling and cheerleading mats. You know, just being kids. These mats were over six feet high, measuring three feet across. The atmosphere changed when the students on top of the mats began crying for help. They had discovered a body in a standing up rolling mat against the wall in the left corner of the gym. His head was facing down inside the mat with his feet sticking out of the top. When they unrolled the body, an arm stretched above the head with the other down around the waist. The affidavit said the face was severely disfigured and swollen. A pair of Nikes were found in the mat with the body, and one black and white Adidas shoe was found near the body in a pool of blood. The second Adidas shoe was found on the floor in front of the mats in the gym. The Nike shoes found with the body were sort of sitting right next to him in the mat, sort of sitting behind his knees as if somebody placed the shoes next to him. The body himself was only wearing socks, and one foot was sort of crossing the second foot. According to the Huffington Post, Pipelow reached for the body's ankles and felt no response. Students began calling 911, and within minutes, two paramedics and three firefighters arrived at the scene. Immediately, investigators began to botch the case. In the affidavit, Sergeant Jack Winningham was dispatched to a code blue in the old gym at Lowndes High School, where he met with Sergeant Bryce Whitener and Lieutenant Stride Jones around 10.43 a.m. Around the same time, Jacqueline Johnson, Kendrick's mother, was at the school asking if her son had shown up for class. Lowndes County Coroner Bill Watson wasn't called until 3.45 p.m. that day, according to a CNN post. That's five hours of that body just sitting there. Georgia state law says a coroner should be contacted immediately. Coroner Watson also said that the crime scene was in poor condition and compromised. The body was moved. 
In a report dated January 22nd, Coroner Watson said, quote, The integrity of the evidence bag was compromised on January 13, 2013 by opening the sealed bag and exhibiting the dead body to his father, end quote. On January 11th, Winningham, along with Lieutenant Jones, met with Kendrick's family and presented photographs taken from the scene to the family. Kendrick's sister confirmed the Nike shoes to be Kendrick's, and Kendrick's grandfather was shown Kendrick's body from the scene. He confirmed the body belonged to Kendrick Johnson. On January 13th, Kendrick's father, Kenneth, was allowed to see his son at the Lowndes Falastosa Crime Lab, where he confirmed the body to belong to his son, Kendrick. According to Crime Online, Kenneth described looking at Kendrick's face in horror. Kendrick's arms were over his head, and the lacerations and bruising to his son's face made him think Kendrick was in a fight. The family was given photos of Kendrick's body and posted them online shortly after to make a point that Kendrick's death was not an accident. According to the Huffington Post, medical examiner Marianne Gaffney Kraft found no wounds except for a scrape on Kendrick's right wrist and three small injuries on his right pinky. She deemed his cause of death as an accident and said he died from positional asphyxia. That means he was stuck in a position that prevented him from breathing. Within 24 hours of Kendrick's body being found in the mat, investigators concluded that Kendrick was reaching for one of his shoes that were in the mat and got stuck. Students said that they had to pay to use lockers, so people would stuff their belongings in mats and retrieve them when needed. Kendrick shared a pair of Adidas shoes with another student, and they would always jump up and toss the shoes inside the middle of the hole. Investigators believe Kendrick was doing the same thing when he got stuck. My question is, why would he hoist himself on top of the mat to retrieve his shoes? Why wouldn't he just shove the mat onto its side and get it out that way? He was found in a standing mat, so if he went to retrieve the shoes, the mat would be lying horizontally, not vertically. The parents also said that if it was an accident, no one heard his cries for help in a school of 3,000 people. While investigators were investigating Kendrick's case, Detective Pitty looked over surveillance footage. Surveillance from the school showed Kendrick's timeline of him walking to the old gym around 1.09 to 1.25 p.m. on January 10th. There were conflicting reports on what time he actually walked in the gym. He didn't talk to anyone and nobody followed him. The footage showed Kendrick walking towards the gym and then of him jogging towards the mats in the corner. There was no footage of him leaving near the rear entrance or the two doorways that led into the hall. His next class marked him absent. Detective Pity reported this info to Lieutenant Stride Jones before attempting to copy the footage, but was unable to, according to the affidavit. When he couldn't make a copy, he met with Scott Forth, who is the information technology person for the Lowndes County Board of Education. Scott told Pity that obtaining all the footage from the entire wing of the school with the old gym would take several days because there were around 40 cameras in that wing. Several days later, on January 14th, Detective Pity was given a copy of the surveillance videos, which included cameras inside the gym, cameras in the hallway of the gym, and the exterior entrance to the gym. According to CNN, two tapes were missing a whole hour of footage, and another set was missing two hours and ten minutes during the time Kendrick was last seen. One camera was pointed at the mats, but according to NBC News, the camera appeared to be blurry. Lieutenant Jones said it could have been blurry from a ball hitting it at some point, and that the cameras were motion-activated and the mat where Kendrick was found was out of range. While there was no footage of the incident, investigators did uncover footage of students using the gym on January 10th around 6 to 8 p.m. and January 11th. Footage of the students finding Kendrick's body was also discovered. According to the Times, the surveillance servers that sent in the footage were not synchronized. 
One camera could say noon and another on a separate server would timestamp as 1210. All the timestamps were wrong and investigators had to guess when he left his class to go to the gym. Other news sources said that a whole hour of the footage was missing and the cameras focusing on the mats were unfocused and skipped around. What didn't make sense to me was the fact that the school had cameras but none of them synced up. What is the point of that? On the same day, January 14th, Detective Burke and Detective Sergeant Jay Winningham conducted a series of interviews at the high school where they asked the students accounts of discovering Kendrick. Their names are redacted from the affidavit because they were minors at the time. The students all said the same thing. He was discovered head first with his socked feet poking out of the mat. And I'm not sure why investigators kept interviewing people about Kendrick Johnson and his movements before and on January 10th when they already concluded his death was an accidental death, but they continued investigating, which is good for us, even though it all came for nothing. Winningham and Jones interviewed a student who apparently was hanging around the gym during Kendrick's disappearance. They played football the year before, and the student said he didn't remember seeing Kendrick the day he disappeared. I'm going to read that portion of the affidavit. Quote, Blank stated that while he was in the old gym, he never noted the victim in the gym at all and never once noticed him near the area where the mats were stored. Blank stated that he may have seen some black males near the mat on the date, but he was not certain. Blank said there were always people on the mats. Blank stated that he was in Coach Davis's class and there were extra people in the gym on that date. End quote. Investigators also tried to interview two brothers named Brian and Brandon Bell. One of the brothers was in a fight with Kendrick a year before his death. At the time, their father referred the investigators to their attorney, who declined to let them interview the brothers. School records did show one brother was absent the day Kendrick disappeared, and the other shared a morning class with Kendrick. Surveillance footage didn't show any of the brothers entering the gym around the time Kendrick went missing. So let's talk about why an accidental death wasn't possible. The mat opening was way smaller than Kendrick's shoulders. There's a picture of his dad trying to get into a rolled mat and they were about the same size. His family says there was no way Kendrick would fit in the rolled up mat. I looked at the crime scene photos myself and it didn't look like Kendrick fell in. It looked like Kendrick was rolled in. Kendrick's parents believe he died somewhere else and he was placed there, as do I. Also, in Morbid, one of my favorite true crime podcasts, one of the hosts named Elena, who is an autopsy technician, said that if he was upside down while alive, blood would have been rushing down his face because of the blood rushing to his head. The shoe that he was supposedly reaching for was found in a pool of blood like I mentioned earlier, but there wasn't any blood anywhere else on the shoe. It says to me that the shoe was placed there. There was blood on the gym wall nearby, but when they tested it, it wasn't Kendrick's blood and they said it could have been there for a while. I can see that because this is an old gym and wrestling classes held there and there have probably been a few broken noses here and there. Kendrick's family did not believe Kendrick's cause of death, especially with how botched everything was, from containing the crime scene all the way to the surveillance footage recovered with nothing to show for. They paid for a second autopsy and exhumed the body later in 2013. This time, private pathologist Dr. William Anderson ruled that Kendrick died from, quote, unexplained, non-accidental, blunt force trauma, end quote. Kendrick had suffered hemorrhaging on the right side of his neck, indicating blunt force trauma. In addition to the new findings, Kendrick's organs were found removed and missing, with newspaper stuffed in their place. According to allthatsinteresting.com, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, or the GBI, said the body was sent to the funeral home with its organs still inside the body, but the coroner said they threw them out because they were too decomposed. 
The funeral home also said they received the body with organs and they stuffed the body with newspaper and claimed that in doing so is common practice while embalming. More evidence went with the organs missing and the second autopsy couldn't say more about what happened inside his body and had to rely on the outside. So with this new evidence, the family tried to get a coroner's inquest to reclassify his cause of death and hopefully reopen the case, but it was denied. Lowndes County Sheriff's Office stood with the original report and kept Kenner's cause of death accidental. In October of 2013, U.S. Attorney Michael Moore said the FBI will find out how Kendrick died. In February 2014, they also tried to sue the funeral home for mishandling Kendrick's body, but that case was dropped as well because of the funeral home practices. It wasn't wrongful of them to have involved Kendrick in the way they did, apparently. In July 2014, Kendrick's parents filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the Lowndes County School Board of Education, school superintendent and principal of the high school. The Johnson said the school officials' negligence led to Kendrick's death at the hands of one or more other students, according to CNN. According to the Johnsons, the school officials ignored reports that Johnson was repeatedly attacked and harassed by a white student. School officials knew about an attack on Johnson by the white student during a school bus trip a year earlier and another attack later. Winningham tried to talk to that student and his brother, a.k.a. Brian and Brandon Bell, about rumors circulating after Kendrick's death, but the mom declined. They said they were never labeled as suspects. The lawsuit never produced any names, but it was clearly talking about the brothers that I mentioned earlier. The lawsuit went on and Kendrick was, quote, improperly accused and blamed for instigating, end quote, that school bus fight. Kendrick also received undeserved punishment, humiliation, and mistreatment from the coaching staff resulting in Kendrick's decision to quit the football team. Kendrick continuously was harassed by the brothers. None of the school officials looked into the fight or anything after it. As well as this gross behavior, school officials also didn't keep up accurate surveillance, which could have helped authorities figure out what exactly happened to Kendrick. And about the fact that students could mess around with mats, the lawsuit said that the school didn't properly monitor the activities of students throughout all areas of the school. In August 2014, Rick and Karen Bell filed a $5 million lawsuit against Ebony Magazine after the magazine published a series of articles describing two students, Chris and Clark Martin, who bore a huge resemblance to Brian and Brennan Bell. The Bell said the brothers were not considered suspects, which is true, and they have been harassed as a result of the article published. Ebony.com eventually took down all the articles discussing Kendrick Johnson because they had mentioned the two brothers and all of them. In November later that year, Kendrick's parents and their legal team released a video that focused on the two brothers, Brian and Brendan Bell, that might have had a part in Kendrick's death. The wrestling team had a match the day Kendrick disappeared, and the family said the two brothers that had involvement in Kendrick's death were on the team. They said the bus didn't leave until 4, which gave them plenty of time to kill Kendrick and leave. When investigators looked into it and interviewed the bus driver, he said they left around 12.30 p.m. because the tournament was between 4 and 6 p.m. The bus driver also said he remembered Brandon Bell from the release video on the bus. The wrestling coach also said the athletes were excused from classes that day at 11.32 a.m., according to CBS News. The coach said weigh-in was scheduled at 4 p.m., confirming the time from the bus driver, and said they left around 11.50 and 12.30 p.m. Mackin was 150 miles away, a roughly two-hour drive. The form that the Johnsons had in their video was a log submitted at the beginning of the year by the coach with estimated dates and times for when the team needed to reserve a school bus. Some teammates also said Brendan was there on the bus that day. 
The Johnsons also accused Brian and Brennan's father, who was an FBI agent, of covering up the murder by manipulating the school and authorities involved in the investigation. In January 2015, the Johnsons filed a $100 million civil lawsuit against three of Kendrick's classmates, the school, the local crime lab, state and federal officials, five agents of the GBI, and an FBI agent, and claimed they were all involved in the cover-up of Kendrick's murder. The lawsuit alleged that the FBI agent, who was also Bell's father, told his sons to beat Kendrick to death. They said that Taylor Eakin, Brian's girlfriend, lured Kendrick into the gym where Brian, Brendan, and one of their friends, Ryan Hall, was waiting so they could attack him because Kendrick slept with Taylor. CNN reported that a man was indicted for making false statements to investigators about Kendrick's death. Dalton Chauncey told neighbors he overheard two students at Lowndes High School discuss their involvement. He said the students wanted to rough him up. He eventually admitted to making up the story and was arrested. Federal marshals seized emails, phones, and laptops from the families accused in the 2015 lawsuit in the sheriff's office to examine. They raided the home of Rick and Karen Bell, Brian's dorm, Brandon's dorm, the friend who was with them, Ryan Hall, and Taylor's dorm in the home of her parents. They were looking for testimonies of people telling others not to testify, or a witness didn't have to testify. The Johnsons had to drop the suit for lack of no evidence. They hoped to refile it after the conclusion of the federal investigation that was transferred to the Northern District of Ohio under the U.S. Attorney Stephen Dettelbach after U.S. Attorney Michael J. Moore resigned. After the Johnsons dropped the lawsuit, they were sued to pay $850,000 in attorney fees and over a million in defamation damages. In June 2016, the Department of Justice announced no charges would be filed related to Kendrick's death because of insufficient evidence to support charges. They also said the case is closed without the filing of criminal charges, according to CNN. According to the Associated Press, the Department of Justice said, quote, After extensive investigation into this tragic event, federal investigators determined that there is insufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone or some group of people willfully violated Kendrick Johnson's civil rights or committed any other federal crime, end quote. In August 2017, the Johnsons were then ordered to pay under $300,000 in legal fees to the dozens of respondents in their suit and accused the Johnsons of fabricating evidence. The family was absolutely devastated but didn't give up at all. According to FirstCoastNews.com, the family said the federal prosecutors didn't entirely rule out the possibility that Kendrick's death was a homicide, but said there wasn't enough evidence to prove it. Quote, they all but came out and said they know he was murdered, but there is nothing to be done about it. End quote. From Jacqueline Johnson. A couple of days after the Johnsons were ordered to pay legal fees in August 2017, a 27-year-old man named Ryan Anthony Domic Hernandez came forward saying when he was at Brandon Bell's apartment in Jacksonville, Florida in April 2016, he overheard Brandon admitting that Brian killed Kendrick, arguing with him in the gym, sticking him with a dumbbell, and threatening the other witness, Ryan Hall, to keep quiet. He also said that he heard Bell say his dad altered the surveillance footage and that his organs were removed to obscure the time of death. Also, the autopsy records were falsified. FaustoSaidToday.com said the claims lined up with the Johnsons' claims, but those claims were already discredited by the hard evidence, such as the Bell brothers and Ryan Hall were nowhere near the gyms that day due to the footage found. Brandon was off campus traveling to a wrestling match. 
A Bell family spokesperson did confirm that Brendan did live in the apartment in April 2016 that Ryan claimed he was living at. On August 18th, Ryan was arrested by the Valstosta police and charged with criminal trespassing. He had tried to punch through a window at a residence to try to get into the home. The homeowner was in the bathroom at the time and called the police. Ryan fled the scene and showed up at the South Georgia Medical Center's ER and tried to register as a John Doe. A police officer was aware of the recent trespassing and notified other authorities where he was arrested after medical care. Ryan has also had several run-ins with the law. Being the devil's advocate I am, I personally believe this guy was lying. I don't know why, but he definitely does not have any credibility to his name. If he was telling the truth, we still need more than word of mouth. Anybody can look up anyone's address online nowadays, and multiple news reports came out when the Johnsons concluded the second autopsy on Kendrick's body. Reports that blunt force trauma, likely due to a dumbbell, was in all those newspapers. Anybody could have fabricated that story. In June 2018, the Johnsons exhumed Kendrick's body for a second time to conduct a third autopsy. This one confirmed the second autopsy's findings, that he was killed due to blunt force trauma, likely due to being struck in the neck with a 45-pound dumbbell, according to allthatsinteresting.com. According to WALB News 10, in February 2018, a witness came forward stating that an acquaintance confessed to another person killing Kendrick. They basically said that one of the brothers hit Kendrick with a 45-pound dumbbell. I don't know if this witness and the one we previously talked about is the same or different person, but I am just going on what I found. In May 2019, the family refiled a lawsuit with the funeral home stating they disposed of Kendrick's organs, clothes, and brain to interfere with law enforcement's investigation, according to WCTV. And later that year in October, the family requested that his case be reopened. The GBI said in June 2020 on Twitter that the investigation is closed. The lawsuit from the previous year was dismissed because the Johnsons waited 54 days to request a summons for Brendan, Brian, and Richard Bell and waited 81 days to request a summons for the Lowndes County School District and many others, according to Revolt.tv. I am not sure why they waited to summon everybody, but I believe they did that to try to get more evidence before going to court. During this time in 2020, so many big names in the entertainment industry and many politicians have spoken out to sign a petition from Change.org to have the case reopened. At the time, the goal was $3 million and half of that had signed the petition. The petition talked about the alleged story about how Brian and Brendan killed him because he had sexual relations with Brian Bell's girlfriend, and that's why they were in the gym with Kendrick. It also talked about how they are covering up his murder. According to CNN, in March 2021, Kendrick Johnson's case was reopened. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk told CNN he came out of retirement in 2017 and requested that the information collected during the federal investigation in 2016 by the Department of Justice be released to his department. In July 2019, federal investigations declined the request, which literally doesn't make any sense, and I am so frustrated by that. Hawk finally received all 17 boxes of written and electronic evidence from the investigation in 2021. They began interviewing people in March 2021 and told CNN the investigation could take up to six months with all the evidence they had to review, as well as the interviews they still need to do again. While reading up on Polk, I am confident that he will solve this case. He seems like he just wants the truth to come out and that he has no other outside influence trying to warp the investigation like before. On July 30th, 2021, a documentary on Kendrick's case called Finding Kendrick Johnson premiered. I highly recommend watching this. 
If you want more information than what I provided for the episode, you will probably find it in this documentary. And you can find it on Amazon Prime Video and Google Play. I can't say whether I believe the Bell brothers murdered Kendrick, but I do believe Kendrick was murdered, and I'm very glad the case is reopened. I want the Johnsons to find out who killed their boy, and it hurts me to see them go through all the financial trouble and trying to find out what happened. The Lowndes Sheriff's Office botched this case from the start. They did not try to find out what happened to Kendrick at all, and it's devastating to see how little they cared throughout the years. Would this case be different if Kendrick was white? It very well could have. Hopefully, Paul can find out the truth for the Johnsons, and they can get some clarity and some closure and peace. I feel so deeply for them, and I wish them all the best and all the answers that they deserve. Once you watch the documentary, let me know how it goes. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and stay safe out there, friends. Thank you for listening to Crime Cloud. If you would like to access my Instagram, go to at Crime Cloud Podcast. And for my Twitter, go to at Crime Cloud Pod. To find the blog, go to crimecloudpodcast.blog. To email suggestions or corrections, use crimecloudpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and supporting the podcast. <laughs>